Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. Acts chapter number 20. If you're our guest today, we are going through this wonderful book of Acts. And as we are going through this uh, uh, together, uh, we've been noticing how the Holy Spirit has been working at the beginning of Acts. He works through the apostles and specifically Peter. And towards the back of Acts, towards the end of Acts, he, we see a man by the name of Saul receive Christ as Savior. And he has just absolutely did a, an absolute 180. He has come to Jesus and has gotten radically saved. And where he was a proud, boastful Pharisee of the Pharisee, he absolutely gave everything to Jesus Christ. And he has changed his life forever. And God is using him in such a mighty way to start churches all over the world. And we're noticing that as... Paul is starting these churches. He's making all these missionary journeys. In this particular text, he is on his third missionary journey, and we found ourselves in Acts chapter number 20. Uh, I've titled the book of Acts in my own uh, personal sermon series. I've titled it, Living with Biblical Clarity. Living with Biblical Clarity. And my thought is just simply this. In the century that we live in today... We need to live with such biblical clarity that this culture clearly sees who the love of our life really is. And the love of our life should be Jesus Christ. And Jesus loved you and I so much that He gave us a love letter. It's called the Bible. And this love letter that He has given us teaches us so much on how we ought to live right now in 2021. What I'm saying to you today is the Bible's relevant. It's not archaic. It's relevant. It's relevant to today. It's relevant to the times today. It's relevant to where we are as believers. And Paul clearly understanding the relevancy of the Word of God taught and preached that Jesus is coming. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again just as Paul said he was coming again. Just as the New Testament says he's coming again. And we have got to be ready. And in our readiness, it's yes, it is about being saved. Yes, we must receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. But, but I'm afraid, especially in the West, in the United States of America, we have almost like looked at the gospel of Jesus Christ as fire insurance. And we want fire insurance to escape hell, but we absolutely, positively despise reading the Word of God in such a way that it might change us. And all I'm saying today is we ought to live with such biblical clarity that we ought to live like Jesus lived. And say, Pastor, are you trying to tell me I need to put on them sandals and walk around in sandals and a robe and, 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 and have a little, uh, a little belt around me? And, and, and No, 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 listen. What I'm saying is that we ought to live in such a way in our culture today we ought to be in the world, but not of the world. And to not be of the world is to be like Jesus Christ. 
Paul wanted to be like Jesus Christ. And he knew that being like Jesus Christ ultimately meant for him in the first century, eventually he was going to die. Eventually someone was going to kill him. I heard a story this week about an old country farmer. And he was taking his nephew camping for the very first time. His nephew was a real brainiac. He had five different degrees. He was one of the smartest men that ever lived. And they set up the little A-frame tent real quick, and they threw their sleeping bags up under that tent, and they crawled up in their sleeping bags, and they went to sleep really, really fast. And in the middle of the night, the farmer woke up, and he woke up his nephew, and he said, Look, look, what do you see? And the nephew said, I see a million stars. And the farmer said, I I know that, but what does that tell you? And his nephew says, well, astronomically it tells me that there are millions and billions of galaxies. Metaphorically, it tells me that tomorrow is going to be a beautiful day. And theologically, it tells me that God is a great creator. What does it tell you, uncle? And the uncle just shook his head and said, it tells me somebody stole our tent. (laughs) Paul, in being a tent maker, knew one day he was going to die. And in knowing that he was going to die, he had this deep-seated, yeah, it was a burden. It was a burden and it was a goal that he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to see as many people receive Christ as possible. But, but he also, watch this, he also deeply desired to fulfill a promise that he made to the church at Jerusalem. He promised the church at Jerusalem that he would bring them an offering. And on this third missionary journey, that's exactly what Paul's doing. He's going from church to church that has already been established, and he's receiving an offering from each one of those churches so ultimately he can bring it to the Jerusalem church and give it to them. But that's not all. He wants to give them that offering and then he wants to go to Rome so that he can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a pagan culture. And he doesn't want to stop at Rome. He wants to go after Rome to Spain. But one thing he knows, this is the last time he will ever see the churches that he established there in Asia. Notice what the Bible says beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, and when we, then he, or excuse me, then we, that's Luke writing, then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. There intending to take Paul on board. For so he had given orders intending, uh, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and we came to Melanie. We sailed from there the next day and came opposite of Chios. Let me stop right there and say this parenthetically. These cities that we're talking about here in this text, this really basically is Paul's itinerary, uh, is all this is. It's just telling us Paul started here and his goal is to get to Miletus. And this is the direction that he went in. He went on foot. Everybody else sailed on a ship. A lot of debate as to why he did that. A lot of different things are uh, are in question as to that. Some say that uh, he was going to be assassinated and he didn't want to be on the ship. And, and so him not being there protected the disciples and got them there faster. Others say he needed some time alone after Troas. And others still say that he needed to instruct uh, 
uh, those individuals that had been won to Christ at Troas. He needed to instruct them on the way. So he walked with them and talked with them and shared what they were supposed to do in relationship to the church. At any rate, he finally met them, if you would, at Miletus. Look at what the Bible says again in the latter part of verse 15. The following day, we arrived at Samos and there stayed at Tregolium. The next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. Why is that? He did not want another riot. Remember, he had spent three years there. And he did not want another riot. He did not want his personal presence to, in, to, to introduce a riot into the community. The gospel is dividing enough. The gospel is riotous enough. Let the gospel make the change. I'm not going to be involved. They know what they need to be doing, and I'm not going to go. But what I do want, Paul says, is I want to invite those preachers to come to me. That's what we see there uh, in the latter part of this verse. So he would not spend time in Asia for he was hurrying to Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost, that is the Feast of Pentecost. He wants to get that, uh, that uh, offering to them because there's going to be a lot of people there and it's going to be such an encouragement and a testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 17. For Miletus, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Let me stop and say this parenthetically. The word elders there is where we get the word pastors. He's calling for the pastors to come. Verse 18. And when they had came to him, or when they come to him, he said to them, You know from the very first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I was always lived among you, serving the Lord in all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept nothing back that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and, and, and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy." And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone, have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, taking heed to yourselves... And to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who were sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or appeal. Yes, 
You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities. And from those who were with me, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the word of God. Paul desired to get this offering to Jerusalem. He knew that when he got to Jerusalem, there were people laying in wait ready for him. His desire was to see people come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, their their personal Savior and Lord. So he calls the Ephesian pastors together and he holds what Jack Arnold comments to be the very first pastor's conference ever in the Word of God. Paul gathered these pastors of the church of of the Ephesians And he gave them their final instructions on how to lead the Christians in Ephesus in his absence. This is a very important passage, not only for pastors, but also for all Christians. For the words that Paul gives to these disciples, to these pastors, are the same words that he challenges every church member with that he ever preached to. He was not putting pastors on a pedestal. He was not holding them higher above anyone else. He was not creating some type of hierarchy in the church. He simply was saying, you got to be the number one servants and instruct everyone else to be servants as well. And he instructed them by sharing his personal experiences with them and asking them to call into remembrance how he did ministry and how they were to do ministry. And when you look at this passage of Scripture, there is a lot here. I mean, there is a lot that he's talking about here. And and so I want to take the time that I have left, and and, and I want us to go through, if we could, uh, I want us to see what Paul wanted these Ephesian pastors to remember. Uh, The first one I want you to look at is found in verse 18 and 19. Paul simply said, I want you to remember my character. I want you to remember my character. Character. Notice what the Bible says again in verse number 18. The Bible says, And when they had come to him, when these pastors came to Paul, Paul said to them, You know, the word know there is an emphatic word saying that there's no argument. You can look at my life and you can see how I live my life in front of you. And he says, You know this to be true, that from the very first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. And then this is how it was. He says, This is how I lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility. He says, this is the character that I intended to set out in front of you. A character of humility in respect to serving the Lord. The term serving the Lord here in this text is a phrase similar that Paul repeated in descriptions on many, many occasions. It means bondservant. It is the word doulos. And he says, I am a doulos. I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And because I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ, I am 
put, I have put myself under the leadership and care of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I serve Him. And the service that I offer to you as I offer myself to God is the service of humility. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you today, this is so contrary to the culture we're living in. We are such a proud culture. We are such a proud people. And that's the way it was in the first century church. Humility was a negative word. Humility was something you did not want to possess. It showed weakness. It showed that you were not someone that is strong. Jesus shows up on the scene. The Son of the living God humbled himself to become a man and to die on Calvary's cross for our sin. He demonstrated what true sacrificial humility really looks like. Paul, upon seeing that and receiving Christ as Savior, says, I submitted myself to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with such character that the number one character trait that's totally contrary to the culture that I live in is to present myself a humble servant of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today, I'm telling you what, we've got so many fancy preachers out there today. They come on stage strutting, strutting along in their skinny jeans, sipping on their lattes, and they want to give you 14 ways for you to have a happy day. It's not about pride. It's about humbling ourselves before a holy and righteous God, knowing that judgment's coming. And Paul says, remember how I came to you. I came with humility. Serving the Lord. I love the way the King James puts it. The King James Bible says, I came to you with humility of mind. It's a reference to the mind of Christ. Chuck Went Swindoll observed that Paul didn't talk down to the Ephesians like they were ignorant or stupid. He spoke to them like peer to peer, simply sharing information that they liked. The mindset that he had was not in his head. It was a heart set. And it was set up in his heart in such a way that his attitude towards those that he loved was a simple humility to invite the others to come to church, to invite others to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. And Paul looks at those pastors and he says, Remember my character. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to remember the character of Paul. Because it mirrors the character of Jesus. Jesus humbled himself to the point where he died on the cross for our sins. Paul humbled himself to make his way towards Jerusalem knowing that he had an impending death. He says, remember my character. Number two, the second thing he says is he says, remember my concern." Remember my concern. Look at what the Bible says. He says this. He says, not only did I come serving the Lord with all humility. He says, but I came with many tears. This is a demonstration of Paul's concern. He was concerned for lost people. 
Paul was not insincere, superficial. He loved his ministry so much that he shed tears over the converts that he had won to Jesus Christ. And he shed his tears over his enemies. He had such tenderness of heart for the souls of men. We like to think it as Paul as this hard-hearted individual. He was hard and, and strict and, and an evangelistic. We, we think of him like, like Bailey Smith who comes in with a, such authority and, and just absolutely just booms out which is good and, it, and we need in order to get our attention. But we also see even in Bailey Smith's ministry when he was alive, he shed tears over lost people. John MacArthur says, Paul wept because those who did not know Christ hurt his heart. He wept because of struggling immature believers. And he also wept because of the, the threat the false teachers imposed. Oh, brothers and sisters, might I say that these are three things we need to weep over today. And consider the fact that there are those outside this church that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Do we have enough concern to shed a tear over those that are dying and going to hell? What about struggling, immature believers? There are some believers that have been, mar have been married that have been uh, uh, saved for years and years and years and are still immature in their faith. They use the excuse that, oh, I'm just simple-minded. Knowing that the Holy Spirit that was deposited inside of us is the one that teaches us. And the simple fact of the matter is, when we come to Scripture, we ask the Holy Spirit, please give me insight into this text. I don't understand it. Would you explain it to me, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. We should weep for those that are immature. And then we should weep for those who threaten us with false doctrine and false teaching. You look across the landscape of the church today. It seems that Bible-believing congregations, Bible-believing congregations are falling for the hook and bait of the enemy. And many pastors are leaving the foundational expository truth of the Word of God and are going more to topical sermons and are trying to infiltrate the culture by just preaching, in, by just preaching these topical messages without asking people to look at the text. I challenge you today. Follow along with me in your Bibles. Bring your Bibles to church. Look at the Word of God. The last thing on earth I want you to know is that I'm some type of false teacher. The only way you'll know that is if you bring your Bibles to church. A dear sweet family came to church. And uh, they bought a brand new Bible. One of our members had come in on it and said, Hey, I see you brought a, a Bible to church. And they said, yeah, I said, uh, we found out real quick when we came to Maysville Baptist Church, we needed a Bible. Said the previous church we went to, they never talked about the Bible, never referenced the Bible, we, we never opened the Bible. We ought to be so concerned over that, that it moves us to tears. God, help us, the false teachers are here. 
we want today to say, oh, I want this big church. I want that big church. Oh, we want these big churches. Oh, we got this huge church here. Brothers and sisters, it's not about the size of the church that matters. It's about the dedication to the Word of God and letting the Word of God come inside of us and then fleshing out that truth. And the only way that's happened is going to happen is we've got to have the concern that Paul had. Number three, here's a third one. I'm not going to make it, folks. The third one, verse number 19, he says, Remember my calamity. Look at what the scripture says. He says, Not only did I come to you in humility and many tears, but he says, I also came with trials, with which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. He said, I've come because there's been many trials that I've gone through. Paul is simply saying this. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, everything ain't going to be hunky-dory. But Paul didn't get saved, and then all of a sudden this wealth of money came to him. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't get saved, and, and all of a sudden his life just became a bed of roses. He, he just, man, everything was wonderful. No, that's not what happened. Paul came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord, and a big target was placed upon him, and people were coming after him to kill him, and the Jews hated him. He was, he was a Benedict Arnold to the Jews, and they absolutely wanted to destroy him. And God in his great amazing uh, word tells us that the Holy Spirit indwelt within Paul in such a capacity that even though the Jews hated him and wanted to kill him he knew that they couldn't kill him don't get me wrong they could put him to death but they couldn't kill him Paul clearly understood that listen as a born again child of God living in the first century you may kill me but I'm going to live forever with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if we continue on the trajectory of our government and culture today, it should not surprise us that somewhere down the road that we will be introduced to a governing factor that is anti-religion, anti-God, anti-the Bible, and persecution is imminent. We're already seeing it in Canada. It shouldn't surprise us that we've seen it in, in China, in, in, in North Korea. It should not surprise us when we see this uh, awful evil that's made its way from, from uh, country to country. And now even in China where you've got a pastor who says, I will not recant. I will not say what the government wants me to say. I'm only going to say what the Word of God says. Say, so, man, I tell you, you may end up in jail, preacher. I very well may. We must love Jesus more than anything else. Paul says, I came with many trials. Remember the trials. He's basically saying to, to these pastors, he's saying, I went through many trials. You're going to go through many trials. And, and might I say, remember what Paul said to the to the church there in Asia Minor, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, or excuse me, what Peter said to those churches. Peter simply said to those churches there in modern-day Turkey, he said, the wolves are at the door in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He says, they're in the church. And they'll turn against you. And they're vicious. 
Paul says, remember my calamity. And then number four, he says, but also remember my communication. Look at verse 20. He goes on to say here in the text. He says, remember how that I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you. Paul simply says, I didn't just tell you what I wanted you to hear. I didn't just get on my high horse he says, there, there are things that I had to deal with that, that I, I, I felt was so vitally important. I needed to communicate with you. Could, could I say this? In our 21st century, here's the biggest problem in the church. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to communicate. I mean, how can we? I mean, we've just went through a, a, a year, and, and we're still in this year, if, we, if you would, going into another year. We're still in this time frame. Where we're putting divisions among the people of God. Oh, we, we, we wear masks. And look, I'm not, look, I'm not against masks. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. If a company wants to say, in order to come into my business, you wear a mask, that's fine. Wear a mask. But my only thing is, I want you to be consistent. Be consistent with it. Don't tell me to wear a mask and I wear a mask, but then if I don't want to bake a cake for a homosexual couple, you shut me out of business. That's not right. I know, look, I know that's not culturally popular, but I'm telling you, it's biblically relevant. Paul says, look, I want you to remember my communication. He said, I did not hold nothing back when I communicated with you. I preached the full counsel of God. I fulfilled all of the Scripture." saying that it was all given to us by God. John Phillips comments that in order to know what Paul said before the Ephesian, the, the Ephesian Christians, we have to explore nearly all of his epistle, but especially the epistle to the Ephesians. The teaching of the Ephesians revolves around three things. Wealth, walk, and warfare. In chapters 1 through 3, he dealt with wealth, saying that Jesus Christ Owns it all. Number two, he dealt in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 with walk. You need to walk with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, he said he dealt with warfare. He told, he told them that this is a spiritual war. This is not a physical war. It is a spiritual war and it can only be won on your knees. And he communicated all these things to the church. He says, remember my communication. And then number 5 in verse 20, he says, Also, remember, remember my calling. Verse 20. I want to end with this one. And maybe I can come back next week and give you five more. So you had ten points. I told you I wasn't going to make it. He says, remember my calling. Look at what the scripture says. Verse number 20 in the latter part. He says, And I taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul talks about his calling. He says, my calling in, in essence was to teach you the word of God. And in doing so, Paul had this public ministry when he taught large crowds, but he also had this small group private ministry where he talked to individuals. The church had both a corporate meeting and a home meeting. Here we see a corporate meeting today. We're corporately meeting together, listening to the preaching of the word of God. Tonight, there will be many home meetings, smaller meetings, being led by what would essentially be these elders, if you would. 
as they teach what they have heard from today's message. Paul says three times in this text that he had tears. That he was so broken hearted. And this brokenness that he had revolved around this calling that he had to win people to Jesus Christ. Paul went from house to house dealing with people. Can I just say this? In regards to the culture that we're in today, at Maysville Baptist Church, here's the thing that has to change. Here's what we got. We have got to figure out how to get back in homes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we used to have uh, 16 weeks of faith. We've got to figure out how we've got we to get back to that. We've got a couple baptisms next hour. I think the two, maybe three baptisms we have will bring us up to 15. Throughout the course of the year since I've been pastor here, we've always been at 100 or more. What has changed? So, well, COVID, right? But specifically, what has changed? We don't go house to house anymore. You see, there's something to it. There's something, and here's what it is. It's biblical. It's biblical to go house to house. And so Paul says, listen, I want you to remember how I did this. Not only did I preach to you on the first day of the week, but there was also this house-to-house ministry that was taking place. This house-to-house discipleship. This house-to-house evangelistic effort that was was happening. This, he says, is my calling. I'm called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Brothers and sisters, I, I close with this. COVID has been hard. But I'm afraid that we are allowing it to hinder us for fulfilling the main thing. I hear people say all the time, Pastor, let's not forsake the main thing. Pastor, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Pastor, we got to do the main thing, but we got to do the main thing. Could I just say this? In order for us to do the main thing, I need you. I need you. I need you not just to be satisfied with ecclesiastical routine. I mean, I don't need you to be satisfied with just showing up on Sunday morning and saying, this is it. This is, man, well, I can check this off the list. I've been to church on Sunday morning. I need you to look around and say, where does God want me? And sometimes where God wants us, we'll fight God on that. Well, look, I fought God on being a on a being a pastor. I don't know if I want to do this, Lord. I mean, every word that I say falls under scrutiny. I I, I want to live a, a debt free life. I want the church to live a debt free life, and then there are those on the other hand that 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 that, that don't want to live a debt free life. They come against you. And and then there are those that that say, well, he he did this or he did that when he didn't do anything. And instead of looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and saying, we want to be like you, Lord. 
Where do you want me? See, some of you, some of you, God has given you talents and ability to serve in our children's department. And we've gone now for several weeks asking for help. Nobody steps up to the plate. So we've got trunk or treat coming up. The only way trunk or treat's going to be successful is if you sign up. Right now, I think we've got 15 cars. How many cars we had last time before COVID? About 30 something. Say, preacher, you're really getting personal now. No, I'm just saying, church. Look, I'm just saying. Some of you have even said this. Some of you have said this. You've said, Shane, said, Brian, Brian brought us to this church. Brian brought us here. God used Brian to get us right here. God brought Shane to get the debt paid off. Debt's almost paid off. Y'all going to be done with me then? If that be the case, let's not be satisfied with where we're at. Remember, I come to you today saying the same thing that Paul said to those Ephesian believers. Remember how I came to you. Remember how I came with humility. Remember how I came with a calling. Remember how I came with a vision. Remember how I came. And don't give up on that. Remember. And then Paul says, let me show you. I got to show it to you because, I mean, I'm not done, but I got to be done. Look, 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 look in the latter part. Look, look in verse, verse number 35. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then this is what I want you to see. Look at this. This is the verse, the key verse, the thing that kind of sums it all up. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and they kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke. That they would not see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Heavenly Father. I love this congregation. I love how you have shown yourself true to them. I love how you've taken them and helped them to grow in their faith. Lord, help us not to let COVID be an excuse to neglect the Great Commission. Lord, Help us to fulfill the vision that you've called us to. 
Lord, there are people in this church that can sing. They're not in a choir. There are people in this church that can teach. They're not teachers. Lord, there are people in this church that are prayer warriors. They're not praying. Lord, there are servants in this church who are not serving. And Lord, those that are, are deeply burdened. They would like some help. Lord, would you speak to our hearts in this invitation? Would you help us? Would you help us to sell out to you and put our yes on the table? Get involved in the activities we have here. Help us with our children. Help us with our choir. Help us, Lord, in the areas of ministry. Would you do that, Lord? Lord, I know the debt's going to be paid off here in three weeks. Would you give us fresh vision and new commitment? Lord, there might be somebody here today that doesn't know you as Savior. Lord, would you help them? Would you help them see the truth of the gospel? I pray they'd get saved today. Thank you for Maysville. I love our church. I love you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where, once again, we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.